It's Wild E. What to do to unlock that potential. And I think as a parent, you got to study your kids and say, hey, whatever works for Faith is not going to work for Emily. Whatever works for Emily is not going to work for Justice. I think that that's where it's like, do I have to show them the struggle? Because if I show them the struggle and we live in the struggle, then ultimately all they're going to do is get to where I am. I want my kids to be better than me. So maybe teaching them work ethic, morals, values, treat everybody right, but still go aggressive for your goals, go at it assertively. They're going to look at where I am and say, okay, I came from this and no, no disrespect, dad, but that's the bottom. If my kids look at what I'm doing for them is the bottom, then I'm good, bro. Welcome to the Wild D Podcast, where our primary goal is to keep you informed and to be your central point of contact for what's happening around us. And anytime we get a chance, we like to give you something to think about. So if you're new to the show, we cover a wide range of topics from society to sobriety, from the culture to the vultures, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But hey, before we get started, please do me a favor and click the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. So thank you for your support, your feedback, and your ratings. Now let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I know what you're thinking. It's been a while. It's been a while. And you are right. But we are back. I'm excited to be here. It's in the middle of July. It is 88 degrees. Joe, talk to me. I know the weather's better over there. I don't know if I say better, but it's warmer. For sure, I say that. So that may that may be what makes it not better. <laughs> uh, my grass and my my vegetables and, and fruits are, are suffering right now, but you know we're gonna make it. We're gonna pull through. So how how is the garden? Yeah, it's it's good, man. Good. Uh, so you know, I had at the, at the time initially, I had spinach, um, but we pulled all the spinach we could pull, and then the heat just just burned them out when it got down to the root. Uh, so those are gone, but the strawberries, the tomatoes, and the onions are, are still producing. Uh, so we're able to eat some of that stuff, but the, the sun is definitely uh, impacting the strawberries right now. So trying to pull them off as quick as I can. As soon as they start to turn red fully, I'm trying to pull them immediately, even if I'm pulling one at a time, just because I like to eat them because they're delicious to me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I can tell you the last time I was in Nashville, it was the beginning of May. And my wife was like, hey, hey, you going to make it over to Joe's garden? I'm like, ah, man, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I ended up getting sick. So I tried mm-hmm. to just, you know, stay away from everybody. But, um, man, I really wish I did. She said, hey, bring back some kale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, man, we, we had it at the time, too. One of the things I learned is about hardiness zones. So that kind of determines what you can plant and what time of year you can plant it. Uh, and I generally like to start towards the end of February, beginning of March, try to time it strategically because, you know, you get like that one last day where it just freezes up everything. Uh, and I try to wait till that happens. Um, but sometimes I don't want to wait too long. I don't want to get in the middle of March and, and start trying to plan. I want to be planning at the beginning uh, and then go through a couple of yields. So then there's some late summer stuff and then even some fall stuff that you can plant and still pull before winter comes. And oddly enough, things like carrots, they will actually stay dormant through the winter. Mm. Uh, and and you can start, you know, dealing with them again the following season. It's something I learned by trial and error just because it got cold on me quickly and I didn't want to pull everything out. So I was like, let me test it. Let me see what happens. I'm going to leave these carrots in 
till next year. And sure enough, they came out. Uh, a couple of them that were exposed, that were above the, so the soil, um, like the, the back end of it was a little bit um, burn, you know, like had the frost burn on it. Yeah. Um, but the ones that were completely covered, they were fine. They were fine and, and kept growing too. Uh, and I wanted to beat them. And, and for anybody who's never had a garden fresh carrot, you're missing out. I'm not a big carrot guy, but the sweetness from one fresh out of a garden, can't even explain it, man. It's really cool. And it also helps us segue into, but it's uh, one named Shaquille O'Neal. He has a son named Sharif O'Neal and who's been in the news lately, right? Um, actually during the summer league with the Los Angeles Lakers and a lot of decisions that led up to that moment, little health scares. Also one of the top recruits coming out of high school, a lot of things going on based off of like college jumping, but that's based off the administration and the leadership there at those colleges. But it's yeah. a lot that's going on there. And one conversation in particular, I think that we kind of talked about in the background was Shaq's idea and his communication saying, hey, you're not ready to go to the league. And he wants him to finish school and Sharif making a decision upon himself to say, hey, you know what? I'm a man. I'm willing to stand on my decisions. I'm willing to jump out there. My dad has made his own life for himself and he may have a plan for me, but I have a plan for myself and I'm willing to forego whatever my dad feels like is there and the riches that he laid up for me to me going out there and trying to go for it myself. So I feel like we could have just an overall conversation on that. And if we really want to hone in on one specific point, we can stay there just for a little bit. But I want to kick it over to you just so you can get some initial thoughts or if there's one part in that conversation that you really want to drill into. Yeah. So so for me, the, the biggest thing, if because there's so many layers to this conversation, just being honest, man, it's so many different things that, that apply. Like, first and foremost, is that we're all entitled to making our own decisions. At some point, a parent has to hope that they've created a foundation for their children that they will go out and make the right decisions. You can't force you. Um, you know, my, my brother-in-law says it all the time. At a certain point, you just become a consultant to your children. You can't try to continue to parent them when they're 17, 18, 20 years old, because at that point they can consider themselves an adult. So what kind of job, what kind of foundation have you laid for that child to make those decisions? And because of your experience with your parent, are you creating a new standard? Well, not even a new standard, but are you repeating a standard for your children based off of the standard or the situation or scenario that you found yourself in? So Shaq and his background, uh, most people probably know, but his biological father wasn't in his life. His uh, stepfather uh, became forefront for the male figure in his life. His father was a uh, stepfather. Um, I'll just say father. His father was military. So yeah. he was very, very about, much about discipline, about law, order, um, character, morality, all of these things. So he he was probably pretty hard on Shaq. You know, without me being in the house with him, based on some of the stories Shaq has shared, Phil was pretty tough on him. And I think Shaq appreciated the effort that Phil put into him, specifically since his father wasn't there. And as a result, he wants to do the same thing and try to do the best he can to position his children to not just be successful because just by, by namesake, they're already going to be successful. You know, if Sharif wanted to stay in college another year and, and get his NIL game up, 
he could have done that. So the money isn't really the issue. They were going to have access regardless. He wants them to have a level of appreciation for what he has that's waiting for him. So that Trevor treasure, excuse me, that's laid up, he wants them to work for it. He wants them to appreciate the journey, the struggle, because Shaq didn't start as the Shaq he is today. He started as the military brat. And maybe yeah. there were some things he could not get. And because his kids have access to whatever they want since they were born, I think that's why he's pushing so hard. But I'll say this and then I'll turn it back over to you. I was listening to Shaq talk about the same thing. And one of the things that he said that I appreciated was, you know, I told Sharif every once in a while you have to break the rules. And that may even mean the rules that I make. So the rule that I make is, you know, I want you to stay in school. I want you to finish. I want you to get your degree. Sharif didn't, he decided not to go that route. And, and like I said, we'll probably dig into some of the reasons why he chose to come out when he came out based off of his, um, his college career, statistically, specifically. Um, but I love the fact that he said that he acknowledged that I can't be the bear and force him to do what I want him to do because I see it as the best option. I can, however, say, I will do this for you if you do this. If you choose to do this, I'm still going to be here to love and support you, but you may not have access to this right away. You're going to have to work or figure it out that way. So I think that's where it is now. I think Shaq has finally come to grips with it. I think he was pissed um, because Sharif left and his college career was was underwhelming, but there are a ton of factors that play a part into why he didn't have the success that he should have had based off of um, where he was and how he was touted coming out of college. He was, um, if I'm not mistaken, like a top 50 um, recruit at the time, um, his senior year, like top 50, 52, something in there, yeah. which is still massive. You got to imagine, like we're talking about across the country. Yeah, he was ranked US. higher than some of the people in the NBA right now. Right? Exactly. In that class, yeah. Yep. So that that's what I think about is, you know, there's a lot of components to it. There's a young man who's trying to find his own way who's had some really, really scary things happen in his life. And now it's, it makes me think, like, I wonder, because of the value he has, the kid had to learn to walk again, man. So the fact that he's even on the court is amazing in and of itself. Could he have uh, stood to go to, like, a mid-major and really, really work on his game and develop the confidence and the consistency? Absolutely. But I have a hard time going against somebody who almost died and somebody who had to learn how to walk and do normal stuff again. Uh, so, so while I respect the position Shaq comes from in terms of making sure that your kids have an appreciation, because I feel the same way sometimes about mine. And again, we'll talk about that in more detail here coming up. So I'll leave it there and turn it back over to you. Now, I think you brought up some good points, Joe. Uh, one thing that I'll say is, um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from his situation. My personal situation and how I look at life is I got into a real bad accident I think I was maybe like 15, 16. I was coming from a football game, and I fell asleep. <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. I, uh, my senior, he was uh, you know, pretty much my mentor at the time, and he was uh, driving me after a game. You know, We're celebrating. We just won our first like playoff game. It was really exciting. And I woke up in the hospital out of mm -hmm. a coma, right? I didn't know what happened. <laughs> I just <laughs> When I woke up, I was – in the hospital, had just come out of a coma. Like I couldn't see out of one eye. My head was like two times the size, just swole. And there was a recovery process for me 
to be able to, they said, I wouldn't know my name. I wouldn't know how to read, write or walk again. I'd learn everything again. Right. Um, that's how scary it was. Mm-hmm. And going through that, it took a while, but then it hit me and felt like, man, I could have lost my life. And if I'm going to live from this moment on, I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to live anybody else's life and have anybody else's expectations of me. Right. Yeah. So when, when you say what you're saying, I really resonate with that idea and that thought process because, you know, while Shaq is his father, I think even to your point, like seeing Shaq was my, he might've been upset. He probably was publicly saying, Hey, look, leaking up until, Hey, if you want access to my riches, you're going to have to get degrees. And that was his standard. But once your kid makes a decision, you're going to stick by your kid. Like how can he say that right now? Right. His kid is actually in the summer league pursuing his dream. And as a parent, you're going to sit back and then actually be proud and actually really cheer on your kid, uh, no matter what, in those types of scenarios. He's not doing anything negative or anything bad. He's chasing his dreams and he's betting on himself. Considering the lifespan of the NBA, he's 22 years old, too. Right. So staying one more year to hope that you do better and you're now 23 when you got draft prospects that may be 19, right? Some of them coming from overseas probably played professional for three, four or five years. At that point, you know, like your prospects are gonna be even lower. So take a chance on yourself right now while the iron's hot. Yeah, because the the most interesting thing about being an athlete, I think that people forget is there's always time to go back and pursue stuff. There's never going to be a time when you can go backwards and be at your highest physical level uh, as an athlete, you know, you can, you can get some of the magic back and I I'm going to attest to that just based off of some things physically that I've been able to accomplish. So you can get some of that magic back, but you'll never be able to get it all the way back. Like it was when you were in that tip top shape, you know, in your, in your prime. So I am all for people, you know, trying it out. Uh, I'm also for people being realistic and honest. So Normally, I would have said, no, Sharif, you need to stay. But I think there are always there's always a little bit nuance and and some variables that can't be accounted for in different situations that you have to take into account. In this one, literally, the kid almost lost his life, barely found out and found out basically on accident. He had a heart condition, almost loses his life and then has to relearn a lot of these things like you mentioned, has to relearn all of this gets back physically into position where he can even step onto a court, number one, and then to compete at a high level, number two, I probably, I would imagine that he would love to make the NBA because that's the dream. But even if he were to end up in the G League or overseas, that's a major accomplishment for him. And not only is it a major accomplishment, but it's one that his father can be proud of because it's where this young man stood up and said, no, I'm going to make my own way. Yes, I've been able to benefit from having you as my father and Shani as my mother, my siblings, access to the Kobe Bryant's of the world, the Dwayne Wade's of the world, all of these other super great athletes. I've had access since day one and I've leveraged it. You know, Sharif talked about when, when Kobe passed, how he and Kobe were talking like the day before Kobe had reached out to check on him and see how mm-hmm. he was doing. So you're talking about somebody with access that said, you know what, dad, you're amazing. You own all these uh, Starbucks, you own all these restaurants, you're the, you're the man over at Papa John's, you're the man with uh, the general, you're the man with Icy Hot, you got all these endorsements, you're doing all of this. 
I want to do it my own way. A father, in my opinion, cannot help but to have a level of respect, even if it's not what you wanted. The worst case scenario is it doesn't work out and he can still always go back to college. So to your point, he's not doing anything bad. He's pursuing a dream with the understanding life is short. I can't guarantee you that I'm going to be alive tomorrow to try this again. I don't know what's going to happen in a year from now, two years. So I, I love that this is coming to the forefront because these are conversations that we're having in our homes today. You know, I mentioned it before and I'll stop and turn it over to you, but I was just talking to my wife and I'm like, man, I wonder if I'm doing my children a disservice by making things so readily available to them because they were not readily available to me. And there's a bit of earning in there where they have to earn, but just the the access, what they have access to, the trips they get to go on, everything that's right there at their fingertips every day, all day, it does make you think, man, there's no appreciation. You, you just got this. Now you're asking for this. That ain't how I grew up, but it's that understanding. Like, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? So I'm turning it over to you there, but I want to ask you that question. Do you think that there's a definitive way to decide if a kid coming up in more of a privileged environment <laughs> is good or bad? And it's the toughest question in the world as a parent, <laughs> especially coming from coming from my scenario where I felt like I had to work for everything that I had. Now, I remember talking to you a little bit earlier in the week and I said, sometimes I would complain as a kid and I would complain about my, my scenario at home. Mm-hmm. But then if I had to zoom out for a little bit, my scenario was better than a lot of my friends at the yep. time. I remember like, I actually had a guy, family friend, reach out to me and he said, hey man, um, why do you call the place that you live your mother's house? Like I said, at my mom's house, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what how I would talk. And I realized that the reason that I called it my mom's house was because my friends did. But all of my friends that said, hey, my mom's house, they didn't have a dad in the home, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, my dad asked me that, and he was like, hey, you know, I, I pretty much pay a lot of the bills here. Like, why do you call it mom's house? Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, well, dad, you know, since I came up, like, you were always working. You were never here. I can't call it your house. I never saw you, you know? <laughs> so that yeah. was my response to it. But I'm looking at it like that's uh, still like a privileged moment um, based off of my interpretation of whose home it is or what I even call that location um, that I resided in. Now, with that, I look at kids that I grew up with, and I feel like some of them were in the same situation as me. Some of them were a little better off than me. And um, some of my closest friends that I would be invited into their homes, they they never had the feeling of the struggle, right? And I felt like that was a privilege. And I, um, I always put in the back of my head that I'm going to work hard to give my kids that privilege. But I also felt like the push to be better, to be more, came from the struggle. I have to, and I'm taking a deep breath while I'm thinking about this because it's more like I have to 
be okay with my kids not having the struggle. Mm-hmm. That's my experience, right? That's what pushed me. And I'm sure that the position that you put your kids in, they're always going to be people that are in a better situation. Yeah. When they're going yeah. to school, whoever they're going to be their friends, um, whatever their, their friends' parents are doing, they're always going to be around. We're not immune to that, and we cannot hide our kids from those types of scenarios and situations. So I think knowing that, that also put me in a place where maybe I shouldn't be too tough on my kids, and I should try my best, but I should let them know that I am trying my best to provide this lifestyle for them. But there's always higher that they can go. I think that that's the challenge, like going back to Shaq and Sharif. Shaq would tell his kids, hey, if you get 32 points or whatever, you get $5,000. Now, I'm not in a position to do that, right? Not too many people right. <laughs> not too many people right. are. But yeah. they're like, how can Shaq be so mean to his kids and say you got to work for everything, but he's so nice because he knows what to do to unlock that potential. And I think as a parent, you got to study your kids and say, hey, well, whatever works for Faith is not going to work for Emily. Whatever works for Emily is not going to work for Justice. I think that that's where it's like, do I have to show them the struggle? Because if I show them the struggle and we live in the struggle – then ultimately, all they're going to do is get to where I am. I want my kids yeah. to be better than me. So maybe teaching them work ethic, morals, values, treat everybody right, but still go aggressive for your goals. Go at it assertively. They're going to look at where I am and say, okay, I came from this. And no no disrespect, Dad, but that's the bottom. If my kids look at what I'm doing for them is the bottom, then I'm good, bro. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's call. like, it's just a different, it's hard for me to, to see that because of my lived experience, how I came up, what we had to go through for me to get that drive to say, I'm never going to be like that. I need to push harder. I need to search for more, right? But I think that what we're doing, or at least in my life, I've created a baseline for performance. And when my kids, as they get older, they're going to calibrate to this baseline. They're not going to calibrate to anything lower because they yeah. think that this is the lowest. What are your thoughts on that? Man, I love it. And it, and it makes me think about, uh, you know, you and I, we talk about this. It's a word that you brought to me or a phrase, over-rotating. And it's so easy to over-rotate, even as a parent. So thinking about that, you have some parents that turn into drill sergeants uh, because they understood where they came from versus where the children come from. Yeah. So now they they want to go extra hard in the opposite direction to where it's not just, you know, you no, know, you need to earn those. Like you don't you're going to live like a pauper, even though we have this, <laughs> you're still going to live like yeah. a pauper. You're going to have you're going to keep them same shoes for six, eight, nine months, even though you're growing. You're going to go school shopping once a year, only right before school starts. Ain't going to be all this extracurricular. You ain't going to have two and three gaming systems and a new phone every time you want one. If you break it, it's gone. You know, like there's some parents that will do that. And I think that is an over rotation. But in the middle of that, um, even thinking about what you were saying, like if this is the floor for them, then the ceiling is so, so high, which is a cool thought. But for me, it's I still want to make sure that I implement certain characteristic traits into these children 
And it's not always by forcing them to do something, but it's by the way you live as well. And I think, mm-hmm. sadly, a lot of parents lose the the respect and the 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 view from their children that they're superheroes because they start seeing the chinks in your armor where they can see the hypocrisy. No, don't listen to that type of music. They're saying bad words, but you listen to it. Don't watch them type of movies, but you're watching them. Don't drink that, but you drink it. And, and I think that's where we lose a lot of that um, not, I don't want to call it necessarily leverage, but that view of respect from children where at once they put us up on this pedestal is perfect. And you don't want them necessarily view as view you as perfect, because if you make a mistake, the fall from grace is so high for a child. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think implementing certain things like during the pandemic, I had the kids out there with me working in the garden. I was like, no, y'all need to do this. Y'all need to come do this. And not because... I wanted to punish them or anything, but I wanted them to kind of get that experience and, and be um, now have their eyes open to this and what it means. But there's also a level of it takes hard work to get this going from the beginning. So like you said, uh, instilling that that hard work, that dedication and that effort into whatever it is you want to accomplish, that's 100 percent on us to do. But we've got to do the pregame work, you know, like you think about pregame. That's me watching game film. That's me recovering my body from the previous game or practice. Mm-hmm. That's my nutrition, my diet. I had to do all of that before I come to the game. With your children, you got to do that same pregame work. I can't talk to my 14-year-old and my five-year-old the same. Number one, because the age gap. Number two, because they're, um, they're boy and girl. And then number three, their temperament is different. You know what I mean? They just are motivated by different things. My five-year-old's a go-getter. My 14-year-old, I just woke him up at three o'clock today. So it's it's different. You have to understand who your kids are to figure out how to get the most out of them. And when you do come from a place of privilege, and privilege is definitely relative, but when you come from a place of privilege, that's not a bad thing. You can't condemn your children because of the success that you chased and found. You found it. So now how are you going to expose them to that? And I think, like I said, like my, my 14-year-old, he's flown already multiple times by himself just because he wanted to go visit an aunt. You know what I mean? And it's like, I didn't even get on the, I, I tell people all the time, I didn't see my first beach until I was 26 years old. That's nuts. We just weren't in a position to do it. These kids, they go to the beach every year. Every single year they go to the beach in a different state. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's mentally, it's challenging because you know, that it's very easy to lose yourself because I feel like for me, and maybe I'm about to say something here for me, knowing where I came from, where I am today, what's available to me. Sometimes I lose sight of the struggle and it becomes more about the show. So I might try to go get this vehicle and it's really, I want the vehicle for the show. It ain't because I need this vehicle. You get what I'm saying? And because I come back, I have those come to Jesus moments where I'm like, all right, step it back, step it back. You're doing too much. I realize that if somebody grew up in that situation, that could be their expectation. Every time I want the new, new, I should be able to get it. And it's not that you shouldn't, but I should have it just because I exist as opposed to I put in the work to get it. So, right. Because I'm thinking about my kid. Anyway, my splitting image, Faith, she is on this path to where she wants a Tesla. She let it be known. I want my first car to be a Tesla. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with the relationship that I have with my daughter, 
when she said that to me, I said, hey, we need to look into buying Faith a hoopty. For those of you all that are not familiar with that type of language, hoopty is more like a car that looks like a vehicle going back to the Street Fighter game that you would have bonus points in the bonus stage to really beat up. I'm Because <laughs> I think that her first car, she's going to tear it up, right? I shouldn't get her a Tesla. Now, here's the challenge. The neighborhood that we live in, people's first cars are Teslas, right? Kids going driving back and forth to high school in a Tesla. That's just the natural state, right? So, so with that, it's challenging, but I'm also giving my daughter the opportunity to earn that Tesla. She needs to figure out what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And she has a head start way before it's time to get that Tesla to put in the work to save and earn for it. Now, we put the pen to the paper. We did the numbers. If she does what she's supposed to do starting now, when it's time to get that Tesla, me as a parent, I want to be fair to her. I want to give her the opportunity to do that. Maybe while she's in college, right? <laughs> I wouldn't want to get it to her in high school, but I feel like she will be in the best position to be able to accomplish that. And that's a goal that she set out for herself that she wants to buy for herself based off of some work that she's going to put in. I don't, and I think that that's where I'm like, okay, how can I make it a better situation? Not like my daughter's smart, man. She knows like when her birthday time is coming, she's setting up to play very early, right? She's already started planning for her birthday in January. Her birthday's in November. Mm. <laughs> you know, like she sets up to play very early. So that's what she's doing. She's like, okay, I want a Tesla. Let me start talking about it now. But now she realized, hey, this is going to be a goal that your parents are going to help you achieve, but they're only going to help you with the game plan of it. Uh-huh. You're still going to have to put together the work yeah. to achieve this goal that you want if you want to. Now, keep in mind, if she surpasses that goal way before her time, then I'm going to get her to test her for her first car, right? I, I, she worked for it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm but surpasses that goal means that she could buy 10 or more Teslas, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so that's the work that I'm going, I want her to show that she's willing to do to get the Tesla because if she's able to accomplish that at a very young age, I know she can accomplish everything she needs to. I can take my foot off the gas, you know? That's that's so smart and, and it's so true. Uh, just yesterday, I was on a, uh, a panel with the Urban League uh, for the Phoenix chapter and the Nashville chapter with well, the Middle Tennessee chapter. And we were talking to children. Um, I don't want to say children. They were young men, young women, um, high school yeah. students. And that's one of the things that I said to them was like, listen, if you can master the art of discipline now, it'll pay dividends in the future. I was like, and discipline isn't just, all right, I'm going to, every time I get some money, I'm not going to spend a lot of it. I'm only going, I'm going to put for every $5, I'm going to put three in the bank and spend two or that is a form of discipline, but discipline is also the understanding that, hey, these are my good friends. These are my bad friends. If it goes down, I don't want to be caught in a bad situation with my bad friends. So when they start to go left, I need to go right. We can still have our relationship, but I'm not going with y'all. If I'm going to go with somebody, it's going to be these good friends because those are the ones that I don't have to worry about getting me in trouble. And mm-hmm. it, it, if you can master that 
in your formative years. Then as you get older, what you're talking about with faith as an example, it's like, hey, if I can start to put these pieces of the puzzle together at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, by the time I do get college age, not only will I have a level of mastery for the self-discipline aspect, but to be a self-starter, more than likely my desire for that Tesla in this instance is going to change because the value that I place on things is going to be a little bit different because of how hard I've had to work to achieve this. Heck, Tesla may not even be a company anymore, you know, at that point. So what we as parents have to understand also, which is why I said I love what you're talking about is, hey, I'm going to help you put the plan together. I'm not going to go buy it for you right now because that's just a bad investment, but I'm going to help you make the plan. And as you start to see the benefits of the plan coming to fruition, it's going to completely shape you differently than the direction you could be headed if we don't do that. And that's what I love about it is the ownership of parents. And and the saddest thing for me, Finn, no lie, and I hate to go backwards or go this direction, but I'm going to do it real quick. It was during the pandemic when we started seeing some of the statistics of children who were forced to stay home by themselves, children who were being forced to stay at home with abusive situations. Like Mm -hmm. the job of a parent is so critically important. And the job is not to be this disciplinarian only. It's not to be the, the pushover only. It's not to be the, the best friend only. There's times and places for each one of those things and so many more to show up to help your children be the most balanced version of themselves. And that's why, you know, like when you think about conceptually, how can you get the most balance out of a child? Well, you got to put them in a situation or an environment that's balanced. And again, I'm big on this right now. I'm big on this. We have to do a better job of not trying to tip the scales in the direction that's beneficial for us because kids see that too and they grow up trying to do the exact same thing. It's not about the benefit I can get out of it. It's what is the right thing to do because they're two different things. Now, have some things happened in Joe's life specifically where I would love some things to be tipped into my scale, into my favor? Heck yeah. Does that mean that somebody else may be left out there high and dry? Heck yeah. So what's the right thing? (laughs) You get what I'm saying? And you think about the things you put into your children, your, the, the moral bar that you have, your family's code of ethics that you have, that stuff is critical, man. And, And one of the best traits that a young person can develop early is discipline. Discipline. It'll save you some from so many so many issues, um, but I just don't know if we make discipline the priority. We make education the priority. We make success and things the priority. And then we get mad and we want to discipline, but we haven't even put them in a position where they can start to be disciplined. So then we get mad when they're not. And, and I think we have, a, we have to do a better job of, of shifting the narrative for our kids. Education is great, yes. But even if you got all the education in the world, if you're undisciplined, what are you going to do when you start making that money? As a young man, let's say you come into some money early and every woman in the world wants you, it feels like. How disciplined are you going to be? You know, so if you have all the money in the world and you want to go out and buy all the cars and the jewelry and the clothes, so you appear to be this way to other people, 
what kind of discipline has, have you taught that child? So that's that's where I'm at with this conversation. I think Shaq is onto something in terms of wanting to teach that discipline. But even thinking about that conversation, even the way he manages his his sons from the way he manages his daughter, it teaches, in my opinion, a very scale tipping lesson where, yep, my girls, they can stay here forever if they want to. My sons, they got to get out. So, you know, that's just me. But <laughs> You know, and I think that that's where it's like, you know, as parents, we say certain things that sometimes we don't mean, or maybe we don't know where the root of it comes from, yes. right? So like knowing yourself is important. I'll tell you like one quick example of a conversation I had with my OG. I'm talking about my dad. So he, um, there was a, a point in time in my life where I had this real good opportunity for a job that came up and I had just enrolled in school because it was like a music school at the time, music technology, and I was getting my music technology degree. So I was really excited about school and this music technology degree. Uh, this is back where I had like a studio up and coming, you know, projects up and coming. It was really cool. But then this job called me and I was like, oh man, I really want this job. So I'm just going to cancel the idea of going to school. And dad pulled up on me and he, he really doesn't use like tough language um he doesn't say like certain things that are out of line he's very uh proper in his communication and he was like hey look to hell with and then fill in the blank right the opportunity he was just like to hell with it <laughs> and it, it caught me off guard because that's not how he communicates but he's like look if you want to do something in life you really want to do it Get educated in it. That's my one piece of advice to you. Now, looking back, I feel like that was some of the best advice I ever received in my life because that put me on a path of going to get this degree, applying it, using it to get a four-year college degree, like business degree, and then just downhill, like just knocking things out the park from there, but also bettering and improving myself. Keep in mind, he saw I had the discipline to pursue this based off of my practices that he, you know, witnessed with his own two eyes mm -hmm. and his observation. But his advice was not go to school and figure out what you want to do. Right. He said, if it's something you really want to do, get educated in it. Now, education can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be through any type of schooling or um, you know, people are self-educated right now and they're doing well with that. And I think that that was the advice. If it's something that you really want to do, get educated in it because only, you're only going to get better. You're only going to be able to apply, apply those principles and those learnings, those teachings into your work, incorporate that into your work. That's the challenge right there. Yeah. What I think what, what um, yeah, I'm not trying to get back into somebody's mind. I would love to obviously like have Shaq as somebody that we could talk to and then, sure. you know, think about like, you know, like what, what were you thinking when you said that? But if I had to put my two cents in it, he's like, Hey, my girls can stay as long as they like. Why? Because, you know, you're going to protect your daughters, right? You're going to try to do whatever you can to protect your daughters um, from Shaq's standpoint. Mm -hmm. But Shaq's also seeing that his sons that he was talking about in my mind 
going back to when Shaq wanted them to go to school, get the degree, stay in college, don't go to the NBA. One of the things that he said was me and their mother did a great job of raising them to be nice kids. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, when you shared that with me, that, that was really important. Like you raised them to be nice and to be respectable, um, not to like, you know, push up against people. (laughs) And I appreciate that thought process, but being nice also has this bad, like, you know, sometimes you say, no, I'm not like as a player, you know what I'm talking about from a sports perspective, you got to have a little dog in you. You want to have, you want to have the leader of the team or a leader on the team have that dog in them. Yeah. And I think that proud Papa moment, Shaq didn't say this, but I could, you know, look at the body language when he's saying it, that proud Papa moment is when he was talking about the aftermath of Sharif making that decision. Mm-hmm. That's where that dog said, hey, I'm a man. I yep. can make my own decisions. And it's right yep. in front of me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get it. It's yep. right there in front of me. Right? And so, so with that, it's like the mixed messaging as parents that I think that sometimes, I don't know if it's like this for you, Joe. Maybe it's just me. But I'm saying something to my daughter and she knows why I'm saying it. And that the love is still there even when there's disappointment voiced in my frustration to her at that moment, you know, and she knows what she needs to do, what she needs to execute on. I think being in Shaq's household, he understood that, Hey, I don't want you to do this. Let's be real. Fear defeats more people than any other thing in the world. Absolutely. Shaq's fear probably had nothing to do with dude playing basketball, man. It had something to do with his heart. Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> so so with that, you know, there's a lot of variables that go into a sentence or a paragraph that comes from somebody's thoughts, their minds into the public. Yeah. With sure. that being said, I do feel like it was a it to be able to observe it and watch it unfold has been beautiful to watch. No, my kids can't do that while they're in high school. No, my kids can't do this while they're in college. Their kids go out and do it, and then it's like support time, mm-hmm. immediate support, yep. right? Yeah, I, lo- I love that, man. And um, so the reality is, especially in a space like this, when you when you start creating content, you really have to ask yourself some important questions, and it ties directly into the information that you put into your children, the things that your children want to pursue and achieve in terms of goals you got to get them to the point where they can answer why and when they get to the point where they can answer the why well why do I want to go here why do I want to have a Tesla why do I want to be an entrepreneur why do I want to go work for this fortune 500 company why do I want to go to this college so on and so forth when you get to that point of introspection where you can say not just where you want to go but why and it's honest I think that's so, so impactful, so beneficial. And and I think that what got lost or potentially got lost in the conversation is Shaq going into more detail about the why, like you said at the very beginning, why is it so important to you that your children do this? Because let's be honest, man, every parent is going to say, yeah, I want my kids to go to college and get a great education and get a great career. Every parent, for the most part, is going to say that. But why? 
Why do parents say that? And I think for a world that is so motivated or driven by social media or, or media outlets in general, where the rules change kind of frequently based off of uh, what the new movement is, it would be so beneficial for parents or people in general to be able to hear that other side. Hey, it's not just I'm, I'm dad, I'm disciplinarian, you know, sons can stay, girls can't. And even in that, he said, because his sons are, are less responsible. And I'm like, yeah, OK, I, I get that. I get that. A lot of times that's what people say. Girls mature like this. Guys mature like that. OK, so whatever you want to say there, I leave that to the individual to decide. That's not my place to decide for people. What I will say is that you want to be able to share information that actually adds value because people have the proper context. And to your point, in a in a Instagram post or a tweet or an article, you don't get to feel all of the context because it's only so many things that can be said and the characters allowed. So I would have loved it if, if he could have given more of the why he feels the way he does and what got him to that point, as opposed to, hey, I'm I'm dad, I'm Shaq, my kids is what I want for them because I love them. So this is what they got to do. The why question is always right there. So my suggestion to myself and any other parent who wants to do right by their kids is be okay with answering that why question. For anybody who's got a kid that's under the age of six, under the age of seven, why is the predominant question they ask for everything? And I caught myself today saying to my daughter when she said why, because I said so. It's automatic as a parent, right? Automatic, yes. So in closing, here's what I'll say. We have to get to the point where instead of seeking approval and fearing truth, we flip the script and we start fearing approval and seeking truth. And we want our kids to be in the same position. Like kids, the majority of the things they do is out of approval. They want parents to give them that approval that they need. Well, there's got to be other ways to provide that approval to your children besides the only reason I'm doing this is because I want mommy, daddy's approval. There's an actual benefit to this exercise. And because you've asked the why question, I've explained to you what it is. Now, you may not agree at that point, but at least I spent the time explaining it to you. So again, friends, family, new folks, whoever's listening, fear, approval, seek truth. Reach out to us and tell us what you enjoyed about the episode or what you felt like you disagree with the episode as well. We'll have all that information in the show notes. And please share the podcast with your friends and family, friends of family and family of friends, because there's not too many things better than the community developing together. Remember, your life only gets better when you do. Work on yourself first and the rest will follow. Let that be a testament to your own development. See you next time.